Well, good morning, ladies. Here comes death, doom, and destruction, I think is what Callie talked about. Um, I'm Antoinette Davis. I'm a senior small group leader, and um, I'm really delighted to be sharing Isaiah's woes to the nations with you. Um, it is all about Jesus, and Isaiah was here because it is all about Jesus. Um, so I'd like to work through these 10 chapters um, and I call this the only way to go is up. Um, we are really entering the second great division in the book of Isaiah here. Beginning in Isaiah 13 through 27, we have a whole series of prophecies concerning the nations that surrounded um, Israel, Judah, and Jerusalem. Isaiah's prophecies were about the judgments that were going to befall all these nations, but also God's triumph, his control, his plan for our world in those nations. Um, we also see just a great theme of the Bible here. I mean, over and over again, we hear and see throughout the Bible that God is in control, and ultimately, he is the victor. And Isaiah so beautifully sets that up through these burdens. Um, even within these terrible doom, gloom, destruction prophecies are just beautiful sunshine rays of hope that God is coming back, he's going to rule, he's going to live with us, and that we have an opportunity to turn to him. So ladies, let's pray to start and just ask God to just really open our hearts and minds to how these burdens will impact us. Gracious Heavenly Father, we do just give you this time this morning. This is your message, Father. These are your words. These were your burdens that you poured out on these nations to teach us, Father. And your word is recorded so that we will not forget. So I just pray for each of us um, that we see the application to our lives today and that we leave here and have studied this, Father, and are different because of it. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Ladies, I'm going to focus on two things this morning. I am going to tackle one or two of these woes just to set it up as why they're there. And I'm going to spend a lot of time on application, kind of the what do these woes have to do with me, which really I kind of struggled with after I read them a few times to really try to understand them. You know, why are the woes there? Why are these recorded? Why did God pour these out through his servant Isaiah? And so I want to talk about the application. So let's start by looking at the woes to the nations. Um, chapters 13 to 23 are a series of, of oracles written by Isaiah in a beautiful poetic form. Now, we lose something in the translation. Um, Hebrew poetry was not written in rhyme or like we would have it. So it wasn't kind of the cat in the hat sat type of stuff. But it was a rhythmic poetry. And so if we, were, if we could read and understand Hebrew, these would sound be like beautiful rhythmic poems and songs that Isaiah sang to teach his people and these nations about what was coming. Um, but why are they called burdens? Well, a prophetic burden, um, according to uh, one formal definition, is a term applied to an oracle or a prophecy which contains sediments especially weighty and solemn 
which are employed chiefly in denouncing wrath and calamity and which therefore are represented as weighing down or oppressing the heart and the mind of the person who had them. This was not, you know, a job that any of us would normally sign up for to carry these burdens. Um, but a quick definition of a burden would just be something that would saddle you, encumber you, trouble you, yoke you, inconvenience you, load you up, lumber you down, or weigh you down. So a burden was a heavy, heavy load that Isaiah was carrying. Um, Isaiah's burdens revealed that God not only was the God of Israel, but also the God who ruled all the nations of men. Now, I know you read through the burdens. I know you read the commentary, which really I thought did a great job of breaking down the burdens and making them a little bit more understandable. Um, and you study them in small group. Isaiah covered 11 different nations in these 10 chapters. Um, Babylon, Moab, Damascus, and, and um, Israel. Cush, which is now known as modern-day Ethiopia. Egypt and Cush, with, which at one time formed kind of their own nation because they thought if they combined, they would big, be bigger and more powerful than Assyria. So they kind of got in partnership together. Well, it didn't work out, clearly. Um, Babylon again, Edom, Arabia, Jerusalem, and um, Tarshish. So Isaiah had burdens to all of these nations concerning different timing in their history, different things that would happen to them, um, and a very different message of judgment for each. But really the theme of all of these burdens was the same. Each of the woes was a warning to that nation that unless they turned their eyes and their hearts to God, the God of Judah, the God of Jerusalem, they were going to perish. But God always gave them an opportunity. Now, I want to talk about one of these woes, um, and specifically the woe of Moab, and kind of break it down a little bit so we see what was at the heart of these burdens. And in Isaiah 16, 6, God pours it out. We have heard of the pride of Moab, an excessive pride. Even his arrogance, pride, and fury, his idle boasts, are false. In most cases in these burdens, Isaiah clearly calls out what is happening in this nation's sin pattern that God would be punishing them for. I mean, look at it. He, in one verse, he tells them pride three times. Their pride, their excessive pride, their arrogance, pride, and fury. I mean, it was clear what God was telling them. You are a prideful nation, Moab. There would not have the, the Jewish people that would have been hearing this and the Moabites would have been very clear why God was judging them. Um, what an excellent reminder for us that um, there's no conflict really between loving people deeply and holding them accountable for their sin. God loved the Moabites. And let me tell you a little bit about their history. Um, Moab was a relative of Israel. And the sordid story, which is in Genesis 12, um, or 19, 29 to 39, um, is that Lot, Abraham's nephew, had several daughters, and he slept with two of those daughters, um, which we know was clearly against God's law. Well, Moab and Ammon were those two sons who were born to those daughters out of incestual relationships with their father. And both of those sons were exiled from Israel. 
from Judah. They were not allowed to live there. So those two boys leave the country and establish their own nations. The nation of Moab never let that sexual immorality go. It was a very sexual, sexual sin kind of place. They allowed incest very openly. In fact, they encouraged it. They worshiped idols. Now, these were good Jewish boys who were exiled and, and went to other countries. They knew who God was, but they flaunted that pride and that arrogance in God's face, and God was going to judge them. So this was a God who loved these people. They were his people, but he knew he was going to have to judge them for this sin. So a teeny tiny country, Moab, but one with large pride, large sexual tolerance, and arrogance. And Isaiah warned Moab that they would fall to the Assyrians, and sure enough, they did. In 701 B.C., when um, the Assyrians attacked not just Moab, but all the countries around there, you know what? Jerusalem stood, but Moab fell. They refused to heed Isaiah's warnings, and they refused to do what he said and turn back to their God. So God judged them. And that's the pattern for all of these woes. God clearly tells them through Isaiah what they're doing wrong. He gives them a chance to repent. They don't do it, and they're going to get judgment. Isn't that true for us? That's the pattern that we see in the burdens. God was warning these people. It, was a it wasn't, I'm going to come get you. It was a, here is your sin pattern. I've got to judge that pattern. God hates sin and giving them an opportunity to turn back. Um, Isaiah saw and just spoke out against all of these burdens. Um, and I love Isaiah 10, um, 17, 10. Clearly, here's what was going on. You have forgotten God, your Savior. You have not remembered your rock, your fortress. That was why the judgment was coming for Moab and for many of these other nations. They knew, because they passed through Jerusalem all the time on their trade routes, they knew what was going on there. They knew that there was a God there who was different than their rock idols, than their statue idols, than their golden idols, than the other things that they had. Um, so Isaiah Son spoke out against what many of us miss. He saw the world. He saw our sins. He saw that our idols. He saw our need for repentance through God's eyes. That's what God gave him so he could deliver those burdens to see what was happening around him. Um, and that's just a picture of all the things that were going on. Egypt was a perfect picture of corruption and defilement. Um, Babylon was a picture of deceitfulness and, as you guys probably talked about, Satan, the great deceiver, active in Babylon and tolerated through false religion and idolatry. Tarshish was the picture of materialism in the world. I mean, they lived to get more and more and more. They didn't care about their poor. They didn't care about their needy. And they didn't care about what was happening tomorrow. It was all about me, 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 and today, today, today. Um, Assyria was a picture of military and might and power carried out to the extreme. They didn't just do stuff. They did it in gory, horrendous Victory. I mean, they carried it beyond what any of us would think would be even acceptable when they conquered people. It was terrible. That's what God was going to judge them for. Moab, Edom, Ammon, and Arabia depicted the sins of the flesh. Jealousy, envy, sexual immorality, um, all those things. Lust, anger, that in Galatians 5.19, um, Christ called the works of the flesh. 
those were the sins of those nations and they were going to be judged for them. So like, I mean, I look at all those and I think, well, my goodness, those are still happening all around me. I mean, you know, in my life, all those sins, I mean, we just have not changed. That judgment, I mean, that, that another great thing about those burdens is I think they help us see ourselves. They help us see the countries we live with today. They help us see what's going on in our society. God has a master plan and requires us to look up at him and not around to other countries and partners and things to solve the problems and the sins of this world. Um, you know, the world and its alliances um, will someday go away, but God is the rock, the fortress that we have to remember. So what do these woes have to do with us? What do these woes have to do with you and me? A couple things I just want to talk about. And here's the was the application for me. I read these woes, and I was burdened, like Isaiah. I mean, I thought, man, this is hard stuff. But then I had to step back and say, okay, well, why did God want me to study this? What, what is it that's going on in my life? What's in your lives? I mean, what are we battling today that God is calling us to understand and read and study these woes? So four things I think of. One is the way we see our God, um, the burdens he gives us, our burdens, and the choice he gives us to change. So I want to just walk through those. The first is that God wants us to put him at the center and remember that he is in control of all. In Isaiah 17, 7, in that day, people will look to their maker and turn their eyes to the Holy One of Israel. Sometimes God has to rock our world to get us to look at him and get us to face him. He is and always has been at the center of everything. It's just that sometimes we get really busy with our neighbors and other stuff, and we just forget. I pulled two maps out, because I think when we look at, and this was one of our discussion questions, um, where Judah is, it kind of helps to see that God really is at the center. Now, um, someone in my school small group said this morning that God could have put Judah on an island somewhere, totally far away from everyone, completely surrounded by water. They would have been perfect. It would have been a lot easier to live sin-free. He didn't do that. I think that was Valerie that said that this morning. But, and I loved that because it's so true. God put Judah right smack dab in the middle of chaos. Um, but he knew that that would mean that they would be surrounded and looked at constantly by others. So the first map I have is this map of Babylon. Now, when Isaiah prophesied about Babylon, it was 200 years before Babylon became a world power. I mean, there is a big gap between him talking about it and what actually happens in Babylon. Um, so at the time that Isaiah prophesied, Babylon was just a small, normal city on the Euphrates River. It wasn't this huge thing. But look at what happens as Babylon expands. Can you guys see Judah there by the water, right above where it says Babylon Empire? There is an itty-bitty circle. That is Judah sitting right smack dab in the heart of Babylon. Talk about boldness with Isaiah telling Babylon what would happen to them. I mean, they, he is at the center there. Let's look at the next map. Um, here is a map of the divided kingdom. Now, this is what it looked like during Isaiah's time. And if you look at Israel, the word Israel right above it is a tiny red star. And that would be um, where Isaiah was. Um, teeny tiny 
sitting in there. I mean, I'm sorry, Jerusalem, that's the red star. I've got that wrong, sorry. Um, Right beneath the river, that is where they were. So you see a lot of these hostile neighbors. You see Syria, which was Assyria. You see Ammon, you see Moab, you see Edom, you see Judah down to the south, Israel to the north. Tarshish would be where Phoenicia is. Um, But they were just surrounded The location of Jerusalem among all these countries just meant that there was calamity all around them all the time from these guys. These were not the neighbors that any of us would pick to have. This is the neighborhood we would really try to sell our house and get out of Dodge and go to that island so we could be by ourselves. Um, Sometimes God forces us to look at him by causing chaos all around us. And that's what he did with the the Israelites. He put them right smack dab in the middle of chaos because he knew it would make them more dependent on him. Ladies, we need to remember that for ourselves, that God is at the center. If he is rocking your world today, it probably means he's rocking you. So you start looking at him and depending on him and leaning him on him. He is the center. And if he's not, he is going to rock us to get us there. So that is my first application. What is God trying to get your attention with? Is he your center? Are your eyes on him? And if not, he's trying to move you closer to that middle point. The second thing I want to talk about is just that God gives burdens, um, a heart or a deep love or call to really help the poor, the imprisoned, single parent families, I don't know what God might be calling you to do, but I think Isaiah was the ultimate volunteer. And I pulled um, the scripture from a previous week that we didn't have, but Isaiah 6, 8. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, so this is God talking, whom shall I send? And here's Isaiah. And, and, And who will go for me? And here's Isaiah. He says, and I said, here I am, send me. So here's Isaiah, the ultimate volunteer, raising his hand, volunteering without really knowing what God was going to call him to. And I love it because later in scripture, Isaiah says, and how long do I have to do this? How long is this going to last? And God just says, until we're done, you know, until it's over. But Isaiah gave it his all. He got these burdens and he knew it wouldn't be easy, but he just gave it his all. And I love in some of the scripture we studied in um, chapter 20, verses 1 through 7. I mean, Isaiah takes it so far as he is marching around in the town square naked, depicting what is going to happen to the Egyptians. Because the Assyrians, those evil, cruel people, when they conquered you, they marched you out of your homeland, stripped completely of everything to symbolize you were totally dependent on them. They strung you together by chain, and nothing was on your backside, maybe your front side. I don't know. I guess Isaiah might have been covered, but he was basically naked walking around town square. And I have to tell you, I thought about his wife, who was here with us last week, what she might have been thinking, because she had already told us that their neighbors thought he was a little wacky, that now I bet she was really thinking, he has lost it. You know, my husband is just out. But he was doing what that in obedience to God. He knew he was going to scare the Jewish, the Jewish people. That their boat was going to be rocked a little bit by seeing him walking around naked. I mean, that had to have had a message for three years every day. I mean, we don't know if he walked around all day or he did like the march of Isaiah around the town square once a day, but we know he did it daily for three years. Ladies, that is a volunteer. I mean, that is... Um, 
tremendous. I just don't know how anything else compares to that. So God is going to bring us burdens. And I don't know what burden he's going to call you to. Um, You know, where is he calling you to be his hands and his feet? Where is he calling you to be his mouthpiece? I mean, I'm hoping he's not calling me to do anything like Isaiah. But I do hope if he does, that I do the Isaiah answer. You know, here I am, Lord, send me. Um, We have to be ready. And that's another thing these burdens remind me of, is just a man's faithful action. Isaiah was a normal man who did great things because he said, here I am, Lord, send me. Are we ready to do that? Would that be your answer if God knocked on your door tonight? The next thing I want to talk about is just to accept that we have burdens caused by the chaos around us. And these burdens distract us. They pull us into sin. They cause busyness. Um, I put a couple of mine up, you know, my children, um, just time, uh, you know, some of the things I love dearly. I love the women of Africa and going to serve them. I have a heart for homeless people. But all of us have burdens that just get in the way of life. And we all have trouble. And, you know, when I first thought about burdens, I thought about just the yuck stuff we have to deal with. I wasn't thinking about a burden being a great job from God, a calling. I was thinking about, ooh, that heavy-weighted kind of weigh-me-down thing. Um, and so in Scripture, we know from John um, 16, Jesus clearly said, I have told you these things so that you, that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. God tells us straight up, this is not going to be an easy place. You're going to have trouble, but keep your eyes on me, ladies. Don't get focused on other things. Um, He sees our distress, but he requires us to interpret our burdens the way he sees them, not the way our world defines them. And God uses our burdens to sharpen us, to polish us, to make us more acceptable to him. Psalm 34, 17, the righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their burdens. We just have to trust that if we keep our eyes on him, that at the right time, God's time, he's going to deliver us from those burdens. The last thing I want to talk about is that Isaiah is a great example of choosing action choosing to live differently. And I love Isaiah 40, 31, which wasn't in our scripture, but we will get there because I think it so well says what we are called to do. Those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. Ladies, Isaiah is a great example of choosing to live differently and God just moving among men. God was giving the people of Judah and the Gentile nations a choice, and he calls us just like them to choose to live differently. Um, Even in our world where those things like military power, materialism, prestige, all those things are just constantly pulling at us, God is talking to us about looking up at him and doing something with it. He requires change. Now, sometimes I learn the hardest lessons in life um, through my daughters, through my children. I have two girls. Um, You'll see them in a minute. Um, But sometimes I understand where God is wanting me to go by things that happen with my kids. Um, So one of the things they hear from me say quite a bit is, clean your room. 
uh, clean your room, clean your room. And so I'm going to use my clean your room example. Um, but these are my girls. They are 16 and 18. Um, and so they should know how to clean their room. But there are days I'm not sure if I have a young woman coming down the hall or a two-year-old. Just depends on where we are emotionally. Um, and so some days I get first-time obedience, which is what I've been training for 18 years. And sometimes I get something else. So I ask Morgan to clean her room. And uh, she tells me she's busy with other things. She forgets, not intentionally, but she's not trying to be disobedient. But she gets distracted, so no, she does not clean her room. So I leave her a note right on her mirror in her bathroom uh, with a little marker that you can just wipe off. You know, sweetie, clean your room. Um, and she reads my instructions, but she is busy, and she's going to get to it later, and there's still no room cleaning going on. So I remind my sweet child again, clean your room, first time obedience. That's what God calls us to do. That's what your mother wants. Clean your room. Um, and she tells me that she is meditating on my instructions. <laughs> and when, when she feels moved and it's time, she'll clean her room. Okay, right now my blood pressure is going a little bit up. And soon she's even memorized. Oh, mom, I know you want me to clean my room. You don't even have to say it. Clean my room. She's memorized it. She's talking to her small group. Hey, Elizabeth, you know my mom wants me to clean my room. What do you think about that? Can you pray with me about that? Maybe my heart will be changed to clean my room. But there's no room cleaning going on yet. After all, she's very busy with really good things. She's volunteering on Mondays. She's going to cheerleading. She's studying. Lots of great things, but the girl is not cleaning her room. So I remind her again, clean your room, dear. And so she's going to pray about it. And when God changes her heart, she'll clean her room. Ladies, this is what we do to God all the time, is it not? Does this sound familiar? Here's what God wants from us. Action, not just knowing his word. We read our Bibles. Not just studying his word, his laws, his promises. Not just feeling the burdens he has given us. Not just meditating on his word. Not just sitting here discussing in our small groups his word and what the message is. Not just knowing him or about him, but ladies, he wants us to do something with all of those things. That's our burden. That's the woe to me, is what action am I going to take from this? I mean, we are just like my daughters hearing me say, clean your room. We know it. We know what he's asking us to do. We know what his word says about it. We spend time talking about it. We pray about it. We talk to our small groups. God wants our action. He wants our heart changed and us to just do it. That's what he was calling these nations to do, and that is what he was calling us to do. Doing something, applying his word, changing. These burdens were a call to action in Isaiah's day, and they're a call to action for us to live in love as women just filled to the brim of the Holy Spirit and led by the Holy Spirit. Women who walk day by day trying to improve and trying to become more fully devoted followers of Christ. Women who know that the only way to look is up. Let's close in prayer. Um, I'm going to pray Psalm 90:12. Teach us to number our days, O Lord, and recognize how few they are. Help us to spend them as we should, Father. And I just pray each of us does not leave these burdens void, but really says, 
What is your call to me, Father? How should I be different? Because a precious Isaiah said, Here I am, Lord. Send me. Ladies, we hope you have a great week. Um, I am leaving for Africa a week from Friday, Linda Berry and I, and I'm just going to make one last plea. Uh, if you saw my burdens, you saw the little African kids up there in the torn clothes. We would love any children's or baby's clothes that you have that you want to get rid of. We can take it pretty much in any condition. Believe me, anything that you have that your kids have outgrown is better than anything the children there we will be serving will have, and we would just love to have it. And if you'll bring it next Wednesday, we will pack it up and get on the plane with it on Friday. Have a great week, and um, we will see you next Wednesday.